Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Welcome to Kingdom Stories from Down Under. I'm Nathaniel Costilla, and usually I give a pretty big bio of the person that I'm interviewing. Tonight I won't do the same because John Finkelty has got so much on his, uh, on his CV. Tonight we're going to go straight into it. John, welcome to the show. Nathaniel, great to be here. Thank you for having me. So when you jump on a plane and you sit down next to a person <laughs> yes, and they say, so what do you do for a living? What do you tell them? Uh, my first response is I say I'm a consultant. And if they ask in what area, what field, I say uh, the non-profit area. And if they go, oh, what do you mean by that? I'll say I work with churches primarily, uh, partnering with pastors, helping them with organizational leadership, organizational behavior. If I'm talking to another pastor, of course, I tweak the language yeah. to suit the scenario. Okay. But I'm trying to help a non-Christian understand the context of what I'm doing. And what's the reaction? Do they say it must be really fulfilling or do they say that's interesting? Yeah, they, they generally are quite curious about yeah. what do you do? How does that work? You know, and uh, some of them So want, how do you unpack it? I basically say, look, I go into a church four days. I do a whole lot of analysis be, before I get there with surveys and questionnaires. Yeah. Then I turn up and I do a whole bundle of interviews. I do a lot of listening, a lot of listening, <laughs> a lot of talking, do a bit of training with leaders yeah. and then write a report and then help a pastor for 12 months, coach them to the implementation of that report because ideas are brilliant, but execution is the king. So I help yeah. them unpack that and unroll it. So I just talk them through what I actually do. Mm-hmm. I find most people curious and interested whether they're a believer or not. Yeah. And especially business people. Business people have an understanding of consultancy. That yeah, I coaching, think, consultancy. Yeah, they're kind of used to that area, especially someone in corporate areas of yeah. uh, work. They kind of get it and they understand it. And so they like to poke around and prod around in it because they're quite curious about do churches really need that? Do they do that? Do they listen to somebody? <laughs> Can anybody tell the priest anything? Oh, do they? Fascinating. The pastor? Yeah, no, I have some really interesting conversations. Do you also identify as a pastor to the pastors in some sense? Um, Or a minister to the ministers? Yeah, these days I just present myself as a consultant and a coach. Okay. And I talk about my 30 years of pastoring, so I put that on the table to let them know I've sat in the hot seat. That's my phrase I use often. I've sat in the hot seat where you've sat. I know what it's like. What you've gone through, I've gone through multiple times. Sure. So I can relate and empathize, but... Probably these days, uh, I don't position myself as a pastor. I'm not shepherding a flock these yeah. days. I'm uh, ministering to ministers. And I, I, the phrase I use, I partner with pastors. Yeah. And rather than pastoring pastors or coming ministering to them, them, come alongside them, fresh pair of eyes. Yeah. Makes all the difference. You know, you walk in and you see things. I've just walked into your building today. And you, what you see just normally, I yeah. see for the very first time. Sure. And so things and pop out for me with yep. fresh eyes. So, uh, yeah, partnering with pastors is an absolute privilege. Mm. Uh, I've been doing it for nine years now. Yes. And thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy 99% of it. Yeah. <laughs> You're making any disciples in this field or not really? I, I think I am. I think I'm yeah. discipling pastors. Yeah. yeah. I but, think. Uh, can you disciple? I think we need more of you. 
Oh, look, I, in terms of discipling, multiplying consultants, I have tried lots of ways to do that in the last nine years. It's harder than building members of your church. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had a couple of train wrecks out of it. Yes. a couple of failures. Yeah, um, I've had a couple of guys who are going kind of into it, but nothing's really happened for them sure. out of it. It's quite a it's quite a difficult thing to break into. I think for pastors who want to get into it's this, it's highly relational. Highly relational. You you do need some years of experience yeah. to give you've it credibility. Have, yeah, you've got to have a sense of hey, I understand. I haven't just read about what you've gone through. I've been yeah. through it. Yeah. And then also, I think you need to have some level of expertise to be able to think on your feet. Sure. Because in a consulting, you're really fashioning things over four days with the yeah. church. You have your frameworks, your principles, your pathways yeah. you walk down. Yeah. But the thing you've got to understand most in consulting is the context. Yeah. What's going on here? You have to read. You have different. to have eyes. You have to have ears. Yeah. You've got to feel the atmosphere. Yeah. You got to check on someone's well-being because you, yeah. you don't want to recommend things that would damage someone. They sure. feel overwhelmed and thanks for coming. Never come back again because yeah. now I feel completely like a failure. I have I have two main goals when I go in to consult with a church. Is one is that by the time I leave after four days, they'll be far clearer in the steps they should take. Yes, and they should feel better about themselves. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. I mean, pastors... It's a feel-good scenario. Very much so, because, I mean, pastors have enough people making them feel bad. Yeah. They have enough problems. I was coaching a pastor this afternoon over in Sydney, uh, over Zoom, and they were telling me about a couple of key leaders in their church who just decided to leave, and it's kind of like, it's a good leave, but it's still a heartache. Their kid's leader and their music director. I mean, that's Uh, two big areas. And I could feel their ache and their pain. Yeah. Um, so pastors have enough ache and pain without me causing them any more. And there might be in the journey, there might be a bit of an ouch moment when they go, oh, yeah, we're really, we could be doing better. But my role absolutely is to give them a sense of hope, yeah. a sense of future, yeah. and a confidence that, yeah, we, we can get this. You're, you're okay. You're doing all well, right. Well, they say it's quite lonely at the top. Oh, yeah. That's, that's and uh, true. I believe it is the mm. case with a lot of... See, when, when you're a, the senior pastor of a church, you've got to intentionally yeah. uh, bridge gaps and connect yeah. with people yeah. on that level. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody will yeah. call you out. Nobody will talk to you. Nobody will seek mm. you. Everybody else comes to you to solve a problem. Mm. They're not after your well-being. Yeah. Um, it's true. I'm really blessed because two blocks away from here, in fact, two buildings away from here, is Clive Pawson. I don't know if you know know Clive. Clive, Yes. So Clive almost every week calls me and he says, Nathaniel, are you well, my man? (laughs) Wow. And I said, now I know he only checks on me, but (laughs) you know, I, since my spiritual father passed away last year, I haven't had anyone else Mm. check on me that much. Mm. This was his very office. Hmm. We actually sit in his very office. So there's a lot of anointing here. (laughs) So this was their center before we took over. So, and yeah, he reads me on a regular basis and he checks on me and he says, Natalia, are you well? And you know, that means a lot to me. Totally. I think every leader, yeah. every pastor needs someone who cares for them, Yeah. who looks out for them, who will ask a question and then take the time to listen, Yeah. to allow people to unpack their hearts. Mm. I think coaching is more about listening than talking. Yeah. It is more about finding the right questions, giving people space to actually 
figure out their own stuff. Yeah. You know, Proverbs talks about the wisdom of bringing the truth, the thoughts, all the various things floating around inside us, bringing them out to the open. And in that process, people actually get clarity um, without yes. me actually saying much and at healed. all. <laughs> and, well, it's true. Yeah. I mean, clarity is a healing thing, isn't it? You probably, I don't know if you know, but that's my signature clarity. I'm a clarity coach. That's what I do ah, as well. There you go. So, um, but yeah, I believe, you know, I believe in that. Yeah. I call it in tune with yourself, in tune with others. You have yeah. clarity in life. Yeah. There's a particular client that I've coached over the last year and a half. He came, I was speaking at a business conference, about mm. 300 people. And then we ran some masterclasses afterwards. Mm. And it was a paid event. It was in Europe. And... Uh, this gentleman came to the master class and he stayed behind and he wanted to connect. He's never had a coach hmm. and he connected hmm. with me and uh, we began the coaching journey on a weekly basis. So obviously I coached him on Zoom. Then I traveled there for one week and I coached his whole hmm. sales department, all the directors wow. in the company, everybody. Wow. And that went really well. But what was very interesting is um, he invited me to have breakfast at his house. Hmm. So I had breakfast at his house and uh, with his wife and daughter. And uh, I said, do you mind if I just bless the food? And he said, no, please do. So I prayed, just a gentle prayer. And time just stopped <laughs> there, wow. you know, that. Wow. And uh, he was so marked by it mm. that he began questioning. Mm. And uh, I'll fast forward to November last year. Um, he said, Nathaniel, you listen to me and the session goes for an hour and a half mm. and he does 99% of the talking. Yep. I just yep. ask questions and then I say, tell me more. Yep. That's it. The great <laughs> phrase, the coaching phrase, tell, tell me tell more. Me more. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've learned that silence is your best friend. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when silence occurs, don't mm. interrupt. Yes, that's it. Because something is happening. That's it. So he said, Nathaniel, tell me what's, what do I need to do in my life? He hmm. said, yeah, now you listen to me, you know me, now you've coached me for over a year. And I said, well, what is the shift that you need to make that shifts everything else in your mm. life? I said, what is the one change that will realign everything else in mm. your life? So he said, well, I can't identify it. Hmm. I said, well, that's a quest. Hmm. So he went on this quest and he said, hmm. well, he goes, but this is a spiritual quest. I said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then he said, well, I want you to spiritually coach me. Not, oh, wow. not emotionally coach me. Wow. Anymore. Wow. So I said, okay. So we shifted into spiritual coaching. Wow. And 4th of March this year, he gave his life to oh, the Lord. Beautiful. Last Sunday, he got baptized. Oh, beautiful. And he's walking with God. Oh, so good. And I think that's the power of coaching, isn't it? Where you, where you stop and listen. And um, I've had coaches myself. Yeah. Uh, which is a handy thing if you're a coach, to have a coach. Had a few different coaches, uh, especially yeah, over the last nine years. I've got years. David Balestri, he coaches. Okay. That's, you know David? I don't think so. So David Balestri, he is the executive of Darlene Shakes. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. At, uh, yeah, Central Coast. Yep. Yep. Center, and he's an EQ coach, giant yep. maker. And he's the one that introduced me to emotional intelligence coaching. Ah, right. So. It is. It's um, Coaches help you figure stuff out. Yeah that you kind of got all these questions and you're not sure. And I've got a, I've got a coach at the moment who's coaching me around a coaching program I'm developing. And he's, it just messes with my head in such a brilliant way. Yeah. And he helps me figure stuff out without him necessarily downloading. 
Yeah. He's more just uh, navigating. Yeah, prompting. prompting. Navigating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Helping me navigate, think things through. And uh, it's, it's well, great. We need that. Well, I think, I think one of the challenges today is that pastors don't have coaches. No. That they engage in a very formal way. A lot of pastors have good friends. They yeah. have people who mentor them in a formal way. But there's something about a formal coaching arrangement that just solidifies what you're doing. Well, the coaching goes somewhere. Yeah. Whereas the other one is just journeying together. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. mellow, it's acceptable, it's yeah. a bit of feedback. But, you know, the person is there just to yeah. support you, whereas the coach takes you somewhere. That's right. Goes into your purposes, into your goals, that's into right. your direction, yeah. and uh, keeps you accountable. In yeah, well, that's, I was just thinking the, the big A word, yeah. <laughs> the accountability, yeah. where you meet up with something and how you're going with that. And, and I found whenever, whenever I engage a coach, I, I'm always working harder on what I'm working with them. Of course. Because I know I've got to talk to them again yeah. and go, uh-oh, do I better do that project? Yeah. <laughs> I better move that along a bit further. Uh, it's the magic formula. A to B by when <laughs> exactly everybody does exactly. the a to be well yeah yeah but by when give me that deadline baby that'll kill me <laughs> yeah the, sometimes it has to be you know uh artificial but it does work yeah it does it's yeah, important it's i i definitely i mean um going back to the the thought we had before of trying to disciple other consultants and coaches i one of my passions is to do that yes um and certainly i think in the next five ten years that however long I've got doing what I'm doing, I think one of my legacies would be able to raise up other consultants and coaches. Yeah, a bunch of them. Yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting, you know, even with Dave Balestri, who coached me, he said, like he only, he came to our church as a consultant. He actually Mm. came to Mm. the church, Nice Christian Fellowship. Mm. I was the executive there. He, John McElroy brought him in as a consultant Mm. for the church. And he did the assessments and he did what you would do, but in in his own way, in his own style. sure. And um, I was so intrigued. I had no knowledge of EQ mm. or emotional intelligence mm. coaching, even though I've done a lot of psychology yeah. and philosophy and theology, but it wasn't in that frame. Yeah. You know, it wasn't brought together. And just on a peppercorn sort of uh, mm. uh, information, it, it triggers something inside mm. of me. Wow. And he said, Nathaniel, I coach people. And they spent thousands of dollars with me, and I coached them for a number of years, and hardly any of them run with what mm. I teach them. Mm. He said, I didn't even coach you, and you began your practice, and then <laughs> hired me. And I actually hired two coaches. I hired him, and I hired Kirsty Boer. Okay. She's a South African German, mm. uh, very young in the field as well, mm. but she had a uh, master's in positive psychology, and mm. I wanted to understand it from both kind of views. Mm, yeah. And we actually did gigs in Europe after that together. Mm. She was speaking in my gigs. That's <laughs> wow. how wonderful it was. That's awesome. So, you know, you get guys that you give them only yeah. so much yeah. of a lifeline yeah. and they run with it. Yeah. And to others, you know, you give them an avalanche yeah. and they don't even want to swim yeah. in it. Yeah, I know. It is, it's strange how people respond with yeah. what's available. And I think, I think the challenge for pastors today, and, and maybe post-COVID we'll see more of this, but... The challenge is for pastors to go, you know what, I need some help. Yeah. Put the hand up. I need someone to come alongside me. Um, and I think especially in this post-COVID season, pastors are in dire need yeah. of fresh eyes and perspective and help. To well, that's through. why I wrote the book. And yeah. That's why I gave yep. it away. I recommend the book. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, what did it do to you? Did you manage to read the yeah, yeah, chunk of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. read most of it. And my wife read it. Oh. But I think the thing I liked about the book was um, it was straight. Yeah. There was no fluffing around. I mean, you've got some powerful things in there. Mm. But the, you're, not, you're not dying wondering what you think. Yeah. Or how to be a disciple or how to follow Christ. I think there's some really um, healthy sort of, I would say, strength in the book. Yeah. Of, of your heart and your passion to see people follow the Lord and very practical as well. So, yeah, Thanks. it's a great book. And oh, my wife you. enjoyed it as well. Well, that's, that's a big tip. That's, that's I was going to say. That's a big tip. I was going to say, if, <laughs> what, what was your wife's view? Yeah, no, man, my wife Diane really liked the book. You know, it's interesting with most people that I uh, uh, meet, the wife reads the book first. <laughs> well, I, I read it first. Uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> I got into it. I, I think I started, then she snaffled it yeah. and then went through it and then I finished it up um, yeah. after. But uh, And also my wife is not given to uh, flattery. No. She says, she'll say to me, I like that person. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> what about that person? Maybe it's not so much. <laughs> yeah. And they write. That's the oh, problem. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's very helpful when you're pastoring if you listen. Yeah. <laughs> Your wife will often pick people. Yeah. Eh, don't think so. Sometimes okay. you wonder how they picked us. <laughs> Deluded them. Yeah. It's our good looks, our charm. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but they have strong intuition yeah. and they, you know, I, I often say at the weddings, you know, when I preach, I say to people, you know, a great helper is somebody who rescues you <laughs> yeah. from yourself. Yes. And I think our wives yeah. do that very well. They do. They do. How do pastors understand the consult uh, the consultancy? Mm. Because a lot of the times they're not ready to pay for something mm. like this, for yeah. the service. Yeah. So what they do is they love you to come along and maybe give you yeah. an honorarium yeah. at best. <laughs> but they think that you should do this just because you love them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I tried in my first year. I've been working on this nine years now. We're doing our 10th year. And uh, in my first year, I had a friend who couldn't afford the consultancy. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a few thousand dollars. Or so. It's deliberately not cheap. Sure. I've made it... It's not inexpensive, it's at a heightened level, it's a high ticket yeah. item. So I said to this friend, I said, um, look, I'll come and do it for you at no cost. Well, I did that once, I will never do it again, mm. because uh, he had very little value on it. The, Didn't run with it? No, the report, he was kind of, you know, whatever. The coaching, no, I don't think we'll do any follow-up on it. And I think the report disappeared fairly quickly. And he was quite even disinterested in the process. But... The strange thing was, he said, look, please come and help me. But yeah. once we started, he kind of lost interest very quickly. Mm. And I think uh, one of the reasons I do put a fairly high value in terms of the dollar fee is that it makes churches and pastors go, all right, this is an investment. Yes. And there's an investment of time. Yeah. Because it's four days. There's an investment of you know accommodation and meals looking after me, etc. And there's a lot of emotional investment for a pastor to go, look, Come and look at everything we're doing. Yeah. Come and have a look at my baby. Check it all out. Top, bottom, left, right, every corner and help us get out. So I find that when It's pastors, invasive in a way. Oh, it is. Absolutely. It's uncomfortable. Absolutely. So I think um, when pastors finally come to the decision where, yeah. right, I'm going to do it. They, they're bored and they just sign off on it. They make the deposit on yeah. it and they commit to the dates. Then they go full on in. Yeah. And it's quite phenomenal to watch. Yeah. 
And also about two days into the consult, they actually relax. Yes. And they realize... He's oh, for us. John's here to help. He's for us. Yes, absolutely. He's, he's, he's gentle, he's kind, he's relaxed. Yeah. I tend to go very cruisy. You know, I'm not kind of at them. Yeah. I'm just kind of relaxing, asking a lot of questions. I want to understand and... I like having meals and I enjoy people. I'm not an yeah. introvert and I'm an extrovert, so I enjoy hanging around people. And so you find a couple of days in, they start to relax. By the time I'm writing the report and they see all the good things I love about the church and where it's going well and where they could improve, they kind of go, wow. And then what happens is I get most of my consulting business now from referrals. Yes. People talk. And yeah. when pastors have something working, same as business people or yeah. anyone. When yeah. something works, we talk yeah. it up. Of course. When something fails, we hide it. <laughs> and that takes that years, years for word of mouth to spread it around. It does. You must, the, it does. the proof must be in the pudding. That's it. And so these days, it's a lot easier getting new clients yeah. and also getting repeat clients, repeat. You know, I have one church in here in West Australia I've worked with for nine years. Yeah. They just say, we have you back year in, year out. Yeah. We need you every year. Sharpen yeah. us up. Help us so now out. they're doing it proactively, not reactively. Absolutely. Yeah, is absolutely. It, how, what percentage is reactive and what percentage is proactive? I, I would say to be the old 80-20 rule kicking in there, where 80% of churches are going, we're stuck. Yeah. Something's not working properly. Yeah. We need some help. We can't yeah. find a way through. We're trying to bundle things. So they're, they're over there. the bell curve. Yep. That's Probably yep. free fall. If we don't grab it, we'll be not kicking up. We'll be kicking yeah. down. Then you have other churches that are doing well. Yeah. They're actually growing or there's a sense of good health in the church. Yes. But they've hit a stage of church life. Maybe it's uh, maybe on a Sunday morning, they're getting about 150 people coming. Yeah. And they bump up to 170, then back down to 130. And they can't yeah. seem to get through to that 200, 220 zone. Yes. So you find churches and there'd be a bundle of churches and that'd be the 20%. Yeah. You feel like... We're fine. We're doing well. We feel like we're ticking the boxes, but we know we're going to have to shift gears yes. to get through that next stage of size. Yeah. And let's try as they might. Um, it takes a mindset. Yeah. And definitely takes some structural shifts. Yes. And even though there's a lot of information out there, you can find anything on the internet. Sure. Everything I do, you can find on the oh, internet. Oh, absolutely. But it's. But it's not together. No. It's not structured. It's no. not executable it's right and it's also not contextualized yeah so i can go into a into a scenario and go well looking at your context um you're already a church of 300 people if we look at everyone yes. on your list and given your context that's actually a really sizable church mm. so we might be able to get you healthier i'm not convinced you'll grow who knows i was going to say is is numbers the biggest measure no not at all but in, in the world, it is. Yep. In the minds of the pastors, it yep. is. Yep. And I love the fact that even your uh, your branding is grow a mm. healthy church, yep. not a bigger church. Yeah, grow a megachurch.com. Yeah. <laughs> that might have got more customers, more clients interested. But no, I, I really work on the fact that um, whenever a pastor, if I ask a pastor how many people on your active list, your yep. database, yeah, um, it's the most unhelpful statistic and number yeah. in terms of the health of that church sure it tells me nothing all and it tells me is size it yeah, is totally. misleading absolutely and it's not fair even for the congregation mm. for the pastor absolutely. to keep that as their top measurement absolutely and so um i mean i've consulted with a church that was growing church of 400 plus sunday service was 
alive, almost yeah. electric. It was just yeah. dynamic. Um, numbers were going up. Everything about it said, we're booming, we're healthy. Yes. You lift under the bonnet, look under the hood. Smoke. A mess. Just a mess. I mean, uh, chaotic, almost toxic yeah. in some levels. Um, unhealthy things grow. Yeah. Oh, like everything else. Unhealthy things grow. So unhealthy churches grow. So when I look uh, quantitatively at a church's data, yeah. I'm looking at a number of key metrics around serving, small groups, baptisms, yeah. the demographics yeah. that are going on on a Sunday yeah. morning, um, secondary giving, generosity, these sort of things that are far more accurate mm. in assessing. You know, if a church is baptizing people, they're making disciples. Yeah. If they're a church that's four, five hundred and last year baptized zero people, well, COVID it might be more difficult, but on a general scenario, a yeah. normal scenario, yeah. you're going, that kind of looks good, but that baptism number is telling me something's really wrong. Yeah. Because you've got all these teenagers here, but no one's talking to them about water baptism, sure. about that step to follow Christ. And so yeah. I think, um, you know, whenever someone says this is the size of our church, I go, well, well that tells me one thing, your size. Tells yeah. me nothing else. Yeah. Zero. So let's go down another layer. And I find that, in fact, I've got one of the most um, comforting and encouraging things for smaller, medium-sized church pastors is when we talk about their baptism numbers. Because yeah. I'll do a little number on it, work out a percentage and go, you know what, you're probably baptizing percentage more people than the big church around the corner. Yeah, which is You're probably fantastic. doing better. And so they're going, man, we only baptized five people. I said, well, let's look at your numbers. If you're only 50 five, people. 50 it's... people. Man, you're rocking. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, that's 10% of your attendance. And they're probably sponsoring four or five kids uh, in Compassion. Yeah. And possibly, yeah. you know, supporting yeah. a church in Indonesia, somewhere yeah. in the Philippines. Yeah, totally. Even if it's only 10 grand a year, but they're probably right in the in the trenches. It's all it's all relative to your size. Yeah. And so if you if you go and go, here's a church of a thousand people on a Sunday. Yeah. They might have a big baptism, fifty people. Yeah. And they go, wow, that's pretty. You know, the videos look great on Instagram, but it's five percent. Yeah. Okay. The guy of fifty people turn up. They're baptizing five people. It's ten percent. Yeah. So they're kind of doing way better than what they think they're doing. And so some of that quantitative data actually proves to be encouraging of course. rather than discouraging yeah. because then they're going to, okay, we're comparing apples to apples now. That's a lot more comforting. And they need that. Ah, oh, I think because of Instagram and Facebook and, you know, the front reel, all, we know all this stuff. I keep saying to pastors and when we meet in huddles and prayer, I said, just reinforce in your church what you're for. Yeah, very good. Not not what you're against. Very Reinforced good. in society what we're for. We, mm. we are for so many wonderful things. Mm. We don't have to fight what we're against. Mm. Let's let's bring what we are for yeah. to the to the yeah. to the to the light. Yeah. And what we're doing well as well. Yeah. And that encourages people to also jump in on the wagon yeah. and do it. I love the story in John twenty one when um, Peter's chatting to Jesus and Jesus saying, Well, this is what's gonna to happen to yeah. you and what, what about this bloke, yeah. you know? And Jesus said, well, you know, if, if he hangs around a kingdom come. What's it to you? What's it to you? He asked the question. Yeah. What is it to you? Yeah. What, what does it mean to you if I bless yeah. someone differently to you? So figure it out. And then he just says, follow me. You know, just lower the comparison thing. Any pastor. In fact, with that's it, the lower. last thing that we have recorded of Jesus saying. Yeah. That's the last phrase. Yeah. 
Yeah. Follow me. That's right. And that's how he started. Yep. You know, to the disciples. So everything is in follow me. Yeah. So at the end of the day, yeah. What's it to you? Just follow me. And I I think it's a good question for pastors to regularly revisit and go, look, you know, someone over there is getting seemingly more blessed than I am. But am I doing what Jesus wants me to do? If I'm doing that, all good, relax, chill. Because, you know, Nathaniel, someone's always going to be having the appearance yeah. of doing better or yeah. looking better, yeah. whatever, you know, you look... I and mean, we can fake it pretty well as pastors. <laughs> we can have a go. Take George Clooney. We talked about George Clooney before. George <laughs> Clooney, what a cool dude. But he ain't the coolest dude on the planet. There are cooler dudes than George oh, Clooney. Sure. He probably goes, he probably looks every now and goes, I'm not yeah, I could be cooler. It's <laughs> <laughs> a facet of human nature. And I think you just have to wrestle that beast to yeah. the ground and go... Okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Yeah, you know, I, I look at uh, consultants like Tony Morgan, mm. great consultant in America, amazing what he does, and I look at him and all that he achieves, and then I look at what I'm doing and go, okay, it doesn't matter. I'll just focus in on what yeah, Jesus wants me to you do. You know, your 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 usual mm. is amazing to somebody else. Some yeah. other pastors are Absolutely. looking to you and that's saying, true. wow, what John Finkelde does yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it's It's, true. Uh, you know, your your every day yeah. is the wow of somebody else. That is so and, true. And, you know, as you said, Morgan's, you know, is, yeah. is wow to you, but to him, that's yeah. a way of life. That's right. That's right. Now, let so, me give you a, a difficult question here. <laughs> Throw How do you me. deal with the elephant in the room? <laughs> Which elephant? <laughs> the pastor. The pastor when, you yeah. know, uh, and I don't, want to say this in a demeaning way in any mm. way but a lot of the issues do hang on the senior pastor yep, yep. because he's the ultimate decision yep. maker yeah and even even he if he's a nice guy and his character is sound mm. sometimes the decisions that he or she makes are yep. not fantastic yeah and uh i think this is a massive massive uh pivot for you yep. to swing yep. in your in your consulting and your yep. coaching because yep. True. If you can't help the senior pastor, the subordinates can only do so mm. much. And to you, I'm sure that it's quite obvious mm. what needs to change. How do you handle that? You, you really have to start from, um, there's probably two things. One, one, you've got a formal relationship because they've engaged you as a the consultant. Trust. There's a fee aspect related to that. So they've engaged you formally yes. at a level. So they've already put a big investment in, which helps them lean in from sure. the start. Secondly, then, uh, the way I'm wide is I want to relationally connect with people. Yes. I don't want to just do a formal, hey, I'm your consultant, you're my client. Kind of some of that language I don't really yeah. like to some yeah. degree. So you find that relationally, you, you, you start to warm the relationship up. Yeah. You just naturally start to find a connection. Sure. And that varies. Some people, it's almost instant. There's a chemistry and you connect. Yeah. Other people, it takes months. Yeah. So I work on that relational side. And what I find is, is that if I can win the confidence of the pastor, yes. if I can get them seeing that I'm there for them, I yeah. want to give them hope, I want to give them clarity, I want to guide them, I'm not going to give them stuff that doesn't fit their context. Sure. I'm going to tailor it for them. If they grab that, then I find that it flows. And sometimes, even surprisingly, they respond really quickly. I had um, I had one pastor I was working with, and I thought, you know, um, 
I don't think you'll see this interview anyway. I'll also share the story. No one will know who it is. And I, I thought towards the end of the consult, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to really take on board what I'm telling him. Yeah. And he had I I talked with past about the sustainability of their lifestyle. Yes. And the productivity of their ministry, and I give them very practical things about turning their phone off. Yeah. Taking days off. Yeah. Doing exercise, having yeah. a hobby, really down to earth stuff that you'd be shocked how many. Don't, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. And and I thought this guy is not going to pay attention. To it. Yeah, it's going to go. Thanks, John, and that'll be the end of that. He won't do anything. He he had not had a serious holiday for so long. I won't say so long, but it was outrageous. Yeah. And I said, well, in three months, I want you to take a month off. Yes. And then five months after that, I want you to take another month off. Yeah. And I thought. There's no way he's going to do this, but I thought I'm going to tell him anyway. Put it in the report. Sure. He did it exactly. Wow. I was shocked. I seriously was. I went home thinking... Maybe he was more regimented. Maybe he needed somebody. I, I, I'm not sure, you know, because he thought he was doing really well. Yes. I said, how are you? How do you think you're really going? Really well. I said, well, um, everyone I talk to says you're not. Yeah. You know, all the team I've talked it's to, your wife... He's telling me, man, come on, come on. It's just, I do that gently. Sure. I don't confront them. I'm just kind, gentle. And I never do it in front of other people. It's just no, a no, one of course. It's very private. But he just, he just, um, I went home thinking, well, that's, a, we, you know, I'm not sure if you do the coaching. He was into it. You know, first coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got the month booked. I asked him when he got back from them. I said, how are you? He said, you know what? I feel really good. I yeah. said, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so... I think once a pastor sees that they get results, yes. and one of the aims I have in the first three to six months is to have some wins. Yes. Something shifts. Yes, small, but, but real. And they go, okay, wow. Especially okay, men. Work. Men need, they build on success. They build they, on they ticking boxes. Look after and, the ego and yeah. <laughs> working it. And you know what I find is the second, third year of consulting is when it really kicks. Yeah. Because they've got a bit of confidence now what we're doing. They start to roll some things along and the traction the second and third year, it's remarkable to watch. That's why it's important for them to stay on the journey. I think so. Because the growth comes yeah. later. It's yeah. not in the first year. In the first year, it's only realignment. It's, yeah. you know, That's true. That's true. old habits. That's and, true. Yeah. And I, but I have had pastors who won't budge as yeah. well. You know, not everyone kind of yields to no. what I think is wisdom. But uh, I have some pastors who budge and they go, oh, thanks and... And I'll work with them for a year and then uh, that's we're done. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, some of them will get it yeah. and maybe they can run with it themselves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I say to some of the guys, even to some of my clients, I said, look, I've coached you for six months. You know the questions. Mm. You can coach yourself. Mm. Just write it down or <laughs> talk to yourself, yeah. you know. Yeah. And they say, you're right, Nathaniel, I can. But once a month, I still want to connect. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Because what happens is they don't do it. Yeah, that's They right. can do it. That's right. But they don't do it. Yeah. And it's a small investment. You know, I'll come back to price because mm. I think this is the biggest hurdle mm. that you are facing with, and most mm. coaches are facing yeah. with. And I say to people, how much do mistakes cost you? Hmm. Great question. How much was the last mistake? Last weekend mistake. How much was it? I, I just coached a client recently, not like very, very recently. And that last week's mistake was $4,000. Mm. Wow. Wow. We, we quantified it. We went through everything. Yep. Just one, just one missed decision. 
it was worth five, uh, $4,000. Yeah. Now, you can get, yeah, <laughs> let's say, even at $200 a coaching, which is not a lot, yep. but, but it just average maybe 250 Yep. That's 20 sessions. That's half a, uh, you know, <laughs> that's almost a year's worth of coaching. That's right. You know? That's right. How many mistakes could you avoid mm. by having someone to just bounce ideas off? Yeah. That's it's so priceless. True. So true. It's priceless. People don't realize. Yeah. I've said I've saved clients. A client came to me and he said, Natanya, last month you saved me eighty thousand euros. <laughs> eighty thousand euros. I said, How? He said, I can't tell you how. But just by talking to you, yeah. I saved eighty thousand euros. So basically you're hired for the next two years, three years, you know. <laughs> And that, that's, you know, so the value that we bring so if, if they can quantify yep. the value. And then you can't put a value on the fact that this man will probably live an extra five years because you told mm. him to have a couple of months mm. off. Yep. And you, you gave yep. his yep. wife a husband. Yes, And absolutely. his kids a father. Absolutely. There's no monetary absolutely. Uh, attachment to that. Yep. It's invaluable, yep. you know. I, and, I just he's become a real fan now, to be honest. Yeah. He's, he's having me back this year for the third time uh, because it's, it has. And you're right, his, his wife is going, this is wonderful. Keep having John back because yeah. you're right, I get a husband. I mean, I help churches with their, their secondary giving programs, building and missions, yeah, yeah. and have seen remarkable shifts in income to yeah. churches yeah. just by helping them do a program, getting it up to a level of, good level of elegance and sophistication yeah. and also an elegance of spirituality and yeah. making disciples in your Packing church through. Packing it gently, Absolutely. nicely. Yeah. Totally. And I've seen um, one church I was working with, their their missions uh, annual pledge was about $25,000. Yeah. Uh, and they were meeting for in, one year. in the first year, in the first few months. In the, they went to $100,000 in one year. Yeah. Just like that, I said, "Man, I should have charged a commission for that. <laughs> should have got a tithe on that." Yeah. But you know, it's, it's it, to me that's a phenomenal joy for me. Sure. But also a joy for them to go. You know what? It's not a fee they're no. giving me. It's an no. investment. Yeah. And they'll get that back in spades. Oh, absolutely every single invaluable. time. So, uh, Apostle yeah. John Kelly, who's also one of my spiritual dads, he said to me, "Nathaniel, if you don't have a spiritual father or a coach, mm. he said, buy yourself one." Yeah. And I said, what do you mean by yourself one? He said, well, with spiritual fathers, it's not like with coaches, he said to me, Natalia. He said, you buy them lunch, you buy them coffee, yeah. you take them on a day trip, you look after them yeah. because they yeah. invest in your life. Totally. Have people, he goes, never, always pay for them yeah. because the wisdom that they give you, the experience, yeah. the seasoning that they've yeah. gone through, they will avoid, he said, just for, for stopping you making the mistakes yeah. is worth it, let alone for, you know, where they propel you and yeah. where they push you and true. The, the hope and the mm. confidence they give you. Mm. It's just amazing. It is. It is that ability, I think, to give people an assurance. Yeah. So where, where did it all start for you? Where did you grow up, John? Grew up uh, here in Perth. Oh, Perth, Perth born and bred, born nice. in Subiaco, King Edward Hospital. Nice. Uh, grew up in uh, Applecross, uh, Bentley, Wilson, south of the river. Yeah. Boy, um, grew up there. No Christian heritage of any. No Christians. At all. Um, How many siblings? Uh, one sister. Yeah. Uh, an older sister who I led to Christ after I came to Christ. And my mum and dad just celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. Wow. And still don't know the Lord. Can you believe mm. it? All these years of the gospel and church. They know of the Lord. But. 
they don't want to well no they could no no desire it's quite dad's 95 mum's 94 uh in two days um and they're just no no don't believe don't see a reason to believe it's quite quite strange i've prayed for them for nearly 50 years now and you've led Uh, thousands of people to jesus yeah and mum and dad They've uh, at various times sat next to me in church, come to church for yeah. baby dedications, Christmas, Easter, you on various your things. Job. Yeah, they love what I do. Probably uh, proud of you as well. Yeah, totally proud. Bragging of to their do. friends. Yeah, yeah, totally. Senior pastor of C3. Yeah, all that stuff and uh, come to church. And I've, I remember sitting next to my dad once that one of our grandchildren was getting dedicated and my mum and dad was sitting next to me and Jason preached and gave the call and sitting there praying lord come on please you know looking at my dad zero and we've had opportunities in the last couple of years as they're getting close to their end of days to pray with them pray for them yes talk to them Mm. but my mum would just say no i don't believe i don't think there's a god i don't think there's a reason which i think at 94 i think i'd be taking out the fire insurance (laughs) it's amazing anyway grew up here in perth and came hopefully just just before Mm. you move on hopefully god yeah will do his wonders i'm uh i'm trusting that you know somewhere along the way before they do they'll just reach out to jesus and cry to him my dad's got a softer heart than my mum my mum's just settled but i think dad's got i think if one of them does it yeah the other one yeah i think so there's right. too much you know connection there oh, too much trust in one another yeah totally. they wouldn't want to be separated totally. yeah they're, they're beautiful people um came to christ when i was 19 did the whole hippie thing back in the 60s and all that sort of stuff how did you come to jesus well i i was um i was living in a house in subiaco a bunch of hippies yeah. living there six were of you us. into surfing more or skating yeah surfing or? yeah kind of surfing hanging out mariana no, no I, you know, the one thing I never did that all my friends did, I never did drugs. Not once. It's not too late. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon I was the only hippie in Perth who never took drugs. I'm glad I didn't. Just smoking and uh, drinking? A and little bit smoking, yeah, mainly drinking, but we were all into vegetarianism. Oh, and okay. Buddhism and <laughs> meditation and Hare Krishna and into a lot of spirituality, yeah, yeah, occult yeah. stuff, everything. Yeah um then one of the girls in the house but it, it awoke the senses the spiritual senses oh yeah. look at if i'd run into a real decent chaplain yeah. in our high school at 15 i would have come to christ like that yeah i was desperate yeah absolutely desperate at 15 16 there's got to be something more than this yeah it has to be god whoever isn't that just a is. beautiful age oh it is the mid-teens oh it's it's terribly confusing and dark if you don't know jesus yeah um, I found it a real struggle and quite depressed and suicidal at times because just didn't have any hope and mm. no light. It was just, what's the point? Yeah. At 16, 17, if, if there's no purpose, what's the point of Living. growing up, marrying, having a mortgage, kids? What? What? Why? Um, so you were always a thinker. I I think I think I was in my mid-teens. I I hit a zone of I really want to work stuff out. Mm. Um, stuff doesn't make sense if if this is just it i've had i'm finished i might as well die now sure i I don't i don't want to just live a life that meanders i really Mm. want to have some sense of yeah purpose yeah meaning yeah so we're six of us in this house my sister and i and four others and the the other girl in the house a backslidden christian she came back to christ yeah and then she led another guy in the house to Christ. Then she led one of my best friends to Christ. Mm. 
And when he told me he'd become a Christian, my, my first words to him were, so, so you're telling me that Gandhi went to hell. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> That's my first words of encouragement to him. Your hero is now yeah. doomed. Oh, yeah, man. I just slapped him down and uh, they kept sharing the gospel. And I get, I kind of, I end up in a real dark place personally. And thought, okay, I, I can't find it here in Perth. So I hitchhiked to Melbourne yes. when I was 19, got on a plane, went to New Zealand. I thought maybe God's in New Zealand because I can't find him in Australia. He is. He's <laughs> God's own. <laughs> So I landed in Auckland. Within two weeks, I was in a church giving my life to Christ through a remarkable sort of circumstances. And because um, I didn't know anyone, I was only two weeks in New Zealand. I was by myself, had a little motorbike. I uh, didn't know anyone. I, I basically lent entirely into the church's life and turned up at every meeting and got discipled by a wonderful Maori brother. And uh, five months later, went to Bible college. In New Zealand. Did a four-month, um, this, is, this is a long time ago, yeah. so four-month live-in intensive. Yeah. Yeah. They'd send you out, can you believe this? They send you out every week to preach. Yeah. So I'm I'm six months old as a baby Christian. I, I don't know if Noah's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, man. Who's Noah? <laughs> I'm preaching. Those poor people, I mean, they suffered. They suffered greatly for the Lord under my preaching, but very intense development and then came back here to Perth. You're a preacher now. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say I was a guy mumbling at the front about something I'd made up about the Bible. I had never clue what I was doing. Um, and actually landed in our church that I'm still in today. It's Shiley. 50 years ago. Well, it was called City Chapel. Okay. So City Chapel um, was where my wife, Diane, was already attending. She'd uh, got Was it in Balga then? Or no, it was in North Perth, an okay. old congregational church. We'd okay. meet early in the morning before the congregational people would come. Mm-hmm. We'd have a night service and a Wednesday night service. This yeah. is mid-70s I'm going back to. Then we got kicked out of that building and the Frank Holcrum, Pastor Frank Holcrum was our, our pastor, wonderful man of God. And uh, we were kicked out of the building, so we weren't looking for a building. And we actually merged with a church, another independent Pentecostal church, CRC, yeah. in Belga. Okay. The original Shiloh. Well, yeah. we became Shiloh at that yeah. point. And yeah. two churches, two boards, two youth groups, two worship ministries, two kids' ministries. Side by side, or you became one? We merged into oh, one church. So that's City Chapel thing. and CRC became Shiloh Faith Center. That's very rare. It's usually the other way around. Oh, many, many, well, many splits. Well, two and a half years later, it demerged. Okay. A massive split. Um, it, pastor Frank and Pastor Bernice Hall, she was a pastor of CRC, very individualistic, very, uh, very opinionated, strong headed, wonderful leaders and ministers, brilliant leaders and ministers, but. Only one on. Uh, if I was a consultant back in that day, I would have said, "Don't do this. This no. will not work." And yeah. it, it didn't. It was, it was quite a difficult time. But um, back then, there were no consultants. No church. consultants. It was all. It was very classic Pentecostalism yeah. of the Lord has spoken to us. God is in us in this, and we'll follow. And he's not in you. I, I think the Lord was in it, but. I think it, it probably needed a lot more strategic work and a lot more coaching to make it work because you've got two established ministers in their own right yeah. trying to merge yeah. boards, worship teams. And everyone there had their own idea. The vision was oh. division. Oh, <laughs> it was just... Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
It was. It was. You came was through uh, Shiloh. Yeah. And eventually, you became the senior pastor. Yeah, there. I did. Yeah, I went on staff as a youth pastor. Then yeah, I had spent ten years on staff in various okay. team roles, small groups, pastoral care. Yeah. Everything that Frank didn't want to do, sort of role, anything. I was as a so paid job. Yeah, everything, full-time yeah. staff member yeah. for ten years, and then Pastor Frank uh, wanted to do traveling ministry, handed the church over to to us, and we took it on and um, built the building at Hepburn Heights, moved the church over to Hepburn and Heights, sold Shiloh to us. Side Shiloh to you guys. That is right. <laughs> that is right. You, uh, you. I heard. I heard. I think you told me that you were in my office. You had yeah, the I same took over office, your office that was the my anointing. office. Pastor Frank's office became my office. Became your office. Yeah, it's a very small world, isn't it? It is. It is strange. That's just unbelievable. I know. Beautiful old building. Yeah. And we acre of land. We sold that. Bought five acres and built a brand new building. We had a beautiful vision. Yeah. Courage. Yeah. I mean, what you've done at Heaven Heights is just amazing. Yeah. What we amazing. we um we were a strong worship, prophetic, spiritual warfare, Pentecostal church in yeah. the 70s and yeah. 80s, and really an alive church. It yeah. really was. We had great services. But um, as the 80s wore on, we became more inward and more insular yeah. and less concerned about reaching people for Christ. So when I became senior pastor, we really spent five or six years just shifting the culture to become outward church planting yes. primarily. But also reaching into high schools, putting chaplains into schools, and doing everything where we could. So C three, that's part of John Pringles. You joined Phil Pringles. Oh, Phil, we, yeah, Phil Pringles. Yep. yeah, we we joined their network. Um, Two thousand and one, so okay. about twenty years yeah. ago. What yeah. an amazing leader. He Phil is an astonishing man of the Holy Spirit and faith. That was the first book um, I read on leadership. You is that leader. right? I I loved it. I just yep. it helped me so yep. much understand. Yep leadership yeah. i also had hayden nelson you know hayden yeah 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 so hayden was uh my leadership uh lecturer at university ah, right. and uh, he also did doctrine of god with me but huh. uh, in leadership he coached us hmm. he was a great leader great leader and Dan um Wilson, so i never met phil pringle in person mm. but his book helped me a lot because yeah. it, it came it landed on my desk at the right time when yep. i was ready yep so, you know, it was like with the Maxwell books as well. Yeah. They came right. in my life when I needed them. Yeah. So much yeah. so that I I could teach the 21 irrefutable laws yeah. off my heart, basically. Yeah. I could go in a Brilliant conference material. and just teach them. So, wow. yeah. Wow. I mean, and you were in, you know, you were <laughs> in the midst of all of that. And that's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. We, um, we had a network of seven churches. Yeah. Um, that we'd grown and planted. And, but I found that... Um, uh, the young guys who were raising up wanted to be belong to a bigger tribe, yeah. something bigger yeah, than yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Joining C3 was really um, a brilliant move for our church. Well, you had connection over East as well. Yeah. And you could cross. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. It's been a brilliant move for our church. And handed the church over nine years ago, and we're now we're into our third generation of senior leadership. Family-wise, um, uh, you yeah, have two wife, children? Yeah, two children. Two children. Um, Yes, and grandchildren now. Four grandsons. Oh, beautiful. Both of my children have given me two grandsons each, and they're, they're unfortunately not going to give me a princess. They've said, that's it, Dad, no more. Boys. I'm disappointed. Um, grand, no granddaughter to spoil, but four grandsons. Um, oh, they'll be great-granddaughters. Great great-granddaughters if I'm around that long. You will be. I, I, I love my grandsons. It's a, Isn't it 120 it's, now? 
Uh, wasn't it after the flood? <laughs> was twenty. Well, my dad's ninety-five, and I'm not sure I want to live to ninety-five. Uh, my dad is failing, fading, and um, yeah, no, I, I think I'll, I'll check out before then. I think it'd be my desire <laughs> up to the Lord, but but I I think it's um, you know as as a pastor, as a Christian, yeah. let alone being a pastor, you go through many challenges, trials, difficulties, temptations sure. Through, sure. through the journey. Yeah. And you would have seen, as I've seen, people explode and blow up and ruin their life. And I am so thankful now at my stage of life, having grandsons, I call it the golden years. Yeah. Where you can, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy the legacy, the fruit. Yeah. yeah. Grandsons, uh, they're loving, they're kind, they're thoughtful. Sure. They love being with me because I pay for everything and whatever they want, they can have. Yeah. It's not a problem. And... But it's the golden years, and I, I thought, you know, over the years, um, you can be tempted with adultery, you can be tempted with taking your own life, you can be tempted to throw it all away, yeah. walk away from God, Spit do the whole the thing. Yep, absolutely. Get offended and hurt and disappointed, and of course you will, just in life you will. But to actually get the other side of that and go, you know what, thank goodness, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the strength of God sure. that he's given me to get through now I get to have this glorious season of um, helping pastors yeah. enjoy my family life. It's just a, I don't know. Stress-free in a sense. You, you choose Less your hours. Stress. You choose how yeah. much work Absolutely. you take on. Absolutely. You're not, you don't depend on that income alone. You're yeah. not striving. Yeah. Yeah, you it's... don't have to please a board or a congregation <laughs> or you know. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, in, in our case here, because we... We run a business, so yeah. I run. I run a business, yeah. so I don't depend on the yeah. church to pay for my yeah. uh, wage and salary. Then it's yeah. I'm, I'm not that yep. stressed or attached, or yep. you know, it's yeah. it's not church dependent. Yeah. So the ministry is something that I do with joy. Yeah. And um, when I talk to certain pastors, and probably I mentioned this to you, for me to lead a church, mm. a small church, mm. it's not difficult. I don't find it mm. difficult. Yep. You know, some right. people are snowed under and they go, how can you do this, this, this? And I think, man, if, if you ran a business, mm. you'd be doing this with your eyes closed. Yeah. I mean, yep. yes, true. running a church, but the admin side is very simple. The yep. finance side is simple. Yep. The only the personal side is the most difficult. Yep. Even the preaching is not that difficult. Yep. yep. Do you know what I mean? So part, okay, we have to deal with people, but we know that. Hmm. But in the business world, you have to deal with people if, yeah. if you're in customer service yeah, or if, you, you know, if you're in a service provider. So it's true. then really, why is it so difficult? I mean, why do we, come, why do we become pastors if pastoring is so difficult to do? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remind pastors sometimes that there's actual aspects of the pastoral lifestyle that are really good. Yeah. You're pretty well your own boss. Yeah. And if you have just a few staff, you know, unless you've got a large yeah. church or a lot of staff. If you've got a few staff, then you can work around. You can work your own hours to a yeah. great degree and you can set your stress levels. Now that I think the burden spiritually of doing it. Yeah, that is, that is another is significant. Yeah, that's the deal. And I think that's the shift I've felt. I, I feel way less burdened yes. than the heavily in the church. You just, you do. You carry people on your heart. Of course. And you don't. As a consultant, you care, you love, you help. But it's not the same level. Well, it's not yours. Yeah, you're helping someone else yeah. carry their own load. You're not actually that's carrying actually, it for that's them. That's a good way to put it, actually. Yeah, you're lifting yeah. them up to carry the weight. That's right. 
That's you true. Know. It's a different load. Though. In fact, you're not allowed to carry it for. Yeah, that's true. And and you can't. Because if either. you're carrying, that means you lost. You're yeah. not doing your job. That's right. Yeah, You've gone too job. far. It's definitely easier than pastoring. So it's a good stage of life to do sure. this for me and uh, to enjoy my life. And like you say, I can work my hours and I juggle them as I want to. And I love what you do on, on social media as well mm, because you, you are so relaxed. Thank you. You know, the way you talk to people, you're, you're, you're yourself. Mm. There's no, you don't have to be like, you know, the Sunday church pastor. Yeah. In the yep. sense, there's no yep. that pressure. Yeah, that's right. You can you can talk down. Yeah. You can bring strong principles. Yeah. And uh, you speak with a very, very caring heart, mm, but in you. a very usual language, in mm. a very everyday language. Mm. It's almost like you know, I'm just opening my heart to you. And I love the fact that it doesn't seem like you really have a three-point agenda. Yeah, right. Do you know true. what I mean? Yeah, no. It just, it seems natural. <laughs> Guys, yeah. I just want to bring some value to you, some input. Yeah. I've been thinking about this. What do you think about this? Yeah. Engage with me. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I think that's how you. people learn today. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. no, look, I, I um, yeah, you're right. I'll jot down a few thoughts on a bit of paper and, okay, let's hit the live button and go for it and yeah. pop it out there. Are you managing all good. the technology yourself? Yeah. Which is great. I'm, uh, I'm quite geeky. I okay. enjoy it. I yeah. actually... I actually like the technical side yeah. of, you know, I've got a website. I've rebuilt the website myself. Yeah. I enjoy all that. I mean, you get heaps of help these days with anything yeah. you do tech side. But but I just, I like that sort of stuff. I've done the same. I've built all our websites, yeah. all the social yeah. media, all the videos. It's just, if I understand it, then yep. I know what we can do. Yep, that's right. You know, that's and right. then when, when I ask people to do is I come from a po- point where I understand what's going on. Mm. And it just mm. helps me. It helps me. Uh, you know, reach reach yeah. various places, yeah. and it's not that difficult, really. No, it's not. It's not. I've I've just recently added some lighting into my home office. Yeah. Got a new uh, mic set up, yeah. new camera set up, yeah. a couple of monitors. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm professional now. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It is good. Good state so of life. So you are building a legacy. Um, mm. What would you like to be remembered by? That's a great question. I, I think I think primarily. Um, Definitely someone who found Jesus, redeemed by Jesus. Uh, to me, the word redemption is one of my favorite Bible words is because I knew, knew I was deeply lost, so to be found by Christ. So I think in terms of following Jesus, to be a, a redeemed person, I think to be a husband, a father, a grandfather, I, wanna, I want um, my wife, whether she outlives me or not, or my children, my, my grandchildren, great-grandchildren that you say I'm going to have, <laughs> that I, I want to be remembered with fondness as being a kind, generous, fun, godly person, a mix of that. Mm. Uh, and then I think, I think in the church world, someone who helped pastors do better, help someone who loved pastors, help pastors, resource pastors, help, help them with the things that were important to help them with. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that I've, I've had the privilege, not every pastor has this privilege, I've had the privilege of being in a church, lead a church at a stage where yes. we need to build a new building. Yeah. Not everyone gets that opportunity. No. And that's okay, that's fine. Um, but I had that opportunity and was able to be in that community because it's a community thing, it's not sure. just me. Building that building as a community, to me that building is a legacy. Of course. But it's a legacy of that generation that did it. 
yeah. in our church. And they're still there. Yeah. There's still a bunch of them there. It's wonderful. Well, you identify with that every yeah. time you go, even the suburb, the name, yeah. everything stands. Yeah. It's ingrained into your blood, into yeah. your DNA now. Yeah. It's part so, of you. There's a few things. But, you know, we're all going to get forgotten eventually. But the fact, um, I always fascinate over history that, you know, you see a few statues around the city, yeah. Alexander Forrest or John Forrest. Yes. But you think all the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who've lived in Perth are not remembered anymore. And I'll be one of them. But, you know, the fact is that eternity will be a long time yeah. to enjoy. And uh, But you've got relish and other bits and pieces. Yeah, that, yeah. That yeah. will outlive you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though I don't think I'll be as in Spurgeon's League where no. people are reading my sermons a hundred years afterwards. Absolutely right. But even if if your grandkids read it and your great grandchildren well, read it, yeah. that's enough for you. That's right. They they'll know, um, and they definitely know. Talking to my eldest grandson recently about baptism and yeah. doing a bit of discipling with him was a real joy. He started attending the youth ministry that I used to go to wow. <laughs> when I was a young guy. That is legacy. That is that is um an unbelievable privilege. Yeah. I feel deeply just to see blessed that. just to yeah. see that. Yeah, that's just, yeah. Well, your commitment to the cause of mm. Christ and perseverance mm. does pay off. Obviously in eternity, yeah. but it's nice when God gives oh. us the gift yeah. to seeing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, here. Yeah. I think and it's I, a privilege. I think you're right. I think it's a gift. Yeah. It's, I just feel extremely privileged. Because most of the stuff of you don't actually see. No. The benefits, true. absolutely. But he does give us a little bit of glimpse, yeah. yeah, just enough to keep us going, yeah. so we don't blow up. <laughs> Get to eternity. I, yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, the next life. Thank you so much for joining us Thanks, and Antonio. just sharing. Thank you for having us. Well, there you heard it, John Fingeldi, a mighty, mighty warrior of God, consultant, uh, pastor to pastors, but most of a father and a husband, uh, grandpa, and hopefully soon a great grandpa. <laughs> Um, do share this beautiful content with other people tell them about Kingdom Stories from Down Under send us some, send us some feedback write some comments uh, give us 5 stars on, uh, on, uh, <laughs> on uh, Apple Podcast so we can share this and uh, distribute this even further only if you genuinely like this, this show and uh, yeah stick around because we're coming back next week with fresh fresh uh, content we're interviewing new people all the time so yeah from down here from australia we bless you and we hope to see you soon thank you for joining us on kingdom stories from down under we'd love it if you would subscribe rate and share these stories with your wider community and remember every story is worth sharing including yours